Hi, is this David? Yep. Hi, David. This is Danny with Anchor. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Thanks for taking the time to uh, take our call and give us a few comments. No, no problem. Um, ironically, uh, I had done a story when your article first came out um, on Anchor, and then uh, I live in Los Angeles and was with a friend yesterday who brought it up reading it as well. And we were so we were chatting about this article yesterday, and then here we are today uh, on the phone. So I just thought it was kind of an interesting full circle loop there. Yeah, it's funny. I've had a lot of people tell me, um, you know, in in emails and G chats and stuff, um, you know, strange coincidence. Um, I think someone even on Twitter said, like, the iceberg may have been inspired by your article. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess, I mean, this isn't, I mean, it wasn't even going to originally ask you this, but, you know, with that news coming down of what happened this morning, has that kind of given a whole second wind to your article? You know, to be honest, the audience has been really, really strong all along. So it's possible that it's given it a little bump, but we're sort of so off the charts of our expectations going in already that um, it hasn't been a noticeable traffic bump. But, you know, obviously people are talking about it and probably some of those people who are talking about it and reading about it are also reading, talking about it and reading my article. So I think, you know, it's, it's nice to be, to have something out there when something major like this happens. On the other hand, you know, things like this seem to happen more and more these days. Um, some major change to the planet of the climate that makes people really wonder where we're headed. Sure. Well, you know, just to ask you a few questions here, like one of the things you mentioned, um, you know, the satellite data uh, of global warming since 1988, you mentioned that it's, you know, it's gone you know, grown twice as fast as scientists had thought. Do you think that's going to continue to maybe not necessarily double, but continue to grow progressively faster as time goes on? Well, that that I should say, first of all, that data, that fact is a little bit, um, it's a little bit murky. So what happened was that um, there had been an original analysis of an existing data set, which suggested warming considerably cooler than most analysts expected based on sort of um, adjacent data sets. And there was a, a reanalysis that boosted it up much more into line with what expectations were. So while it's true that there was this sort of significant adjustment upward, um, it didn't really change the sort of global consensus about how much warming had taken place. But I do think generally that um, we're probably going to be seeing um, a more rapid warming over the co coming couple of decades, in part because a lot of the um, carbon that we've pumped into the atmosphere is really only now starting to take effect. There, you know, there are all of these sort of complicated mechanisms and feedback loops um, by which carbon actually produces warming. And sometimes they take I mean, in geological terms, they often take centuries, but um, the pace that we're going, that those feedbacks often take a decade or two decades. So um, we're we're sort of seeing now the result of the of the emissions that we were putting into the atmosphere a decade or two decades ago, and we're continuing to increase the number of emissions that we put into the atmosphere. So I think, unless there's some radical action taking taken very soon, that um, the warming will speed up. Yeah, but I should say also about Larson, the Larson ice shelf slash iceberg um you know a lot of there's a lot of scientific dispute about exactly what caused this um calving it's called calving which is a really nice poetic term for it i think um you know a lot of folks think that it was largely what they call natural processes rather than you know man-made and while those 
categories are, I think, much more porous um, than they sound, and it's hard to distinguish between man-made causes and, um, and natural processes. Um, I think the most important thing about the, the break in the iceberg is that um, we know what will happen going forward, and that is that the ice contained in that iceberg will melt much faster than it would have if it were still part of the shelf, and we'll have lost some of our ice cover, which is important because um, ice reflects sunlight back into the um, into outer space. And if there's less ice on the planet, that means that the planet is absorbing more sunlight, which means more warming. Well, and so, you know, you mentioned in the article, obviously, like what happened today. If You you know, we, when we look back at, you mentioned this in the article as well, in May, that ice shelf, you know, cracked, grew 11 miles in six days. And obviously we saw what happened today with it breaking off. Do you think, or when do you think, you know, given the amount of time and thought you've put into this topic, when do you think humans will collectively actually work fully on the climate change problem? Or do, or will we ever? I think we, I, I think we will. I think you sort of have to have faith that there will be some major action taken, even, um, even if the sort of early returns have been sort of dispiriting and, you know, people haven't done nearly enough yet. Um, you know, I think that it's probably going to be not a radical about face where all of a sudden the planet collectively decides to halt emissions entirely in 10 years, um, although that would be great. Um, I think it's probably going to be a sort of slow awakening. One thing that worries me is that um, even just over the last couple of years, we've had a kind of weakening of um, these international cooperative frameworks um, the UN, which, you know, the Trump administration has been sort of, um, Nikki Haley is trying to massively cut funding at the UN, and um, and more, most especially the EU, which had been a sort of bulwark of international cooperation over the last few decades, is now being sort of systematically undermined and taken apart. And we, it took us many, many millennia to build these frameworks by which we could cooperate across nations. We never had them before World War II. Finally, after that brutal war and coming out of World War I before that, we built these institutions to allow us to cooperate. And now at the moment that the planet seems to need that kind of cooperation most, we're actually unbuilding those frameworks. And that's really scary. How, I mean, if I could be frank, how severe is the timeline overall? Like if we don't act sooner rather than later, how actually severe is the timeline? Well, I would say um, we're already suffering from climate change in some significant ways. There have been massive heat waves that have killed tens of thousands of people um, over the number, last number of years. There are a number of diseases that have increased because of climate change. And some of the most interesting research that I put in my article was about um, economic effects and effects on conflict. And um, the researchers who are doing that work, who are you know really esteemed, um, very credible uh, researchers, say that for every degree of warming, you lose about one percentage point off of GDP. So the, the world has gotten about a degree warmer over the last couple of decades, which means that um, we will have, you know, every year we're losing one percentage point off of our GDP growth. And considering, you know, in the U.S., 3% three, 3 GDP growth is considered strong, losing a full percentage point is a massive blow. Plus that works like compound interest where it gets bigger over time. Um, and they estimate that for every half a degree of warming, you get an increase of between 10 and 20% in conflict, which means that um, since we're at about one degree warmer, we could have we could be already seeing 20% more or 40% more um, 
war in the world than we would without climate change. So I think in a lot of ways we're already um, seeing the effects. The question of, you know, the the real extreme outcomes, you know, whether parts of the planet will become unlivable, too hot to walk around outside without causing what's called hyperthermia, which is, you know, when you get too hot um, and which can be fatal. Or, you know, when the agricultural production will drop so so severely that, um, you know, civil wars are like will are likely to break out all across the world. Um, you know, depending on how how quickly we take action on emissions, those effects could um, could come by the end of the century, could come even sooner. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind about them is that they're not binary effects. So it's not as though um, either we avert a food shortage or we don't. It's that every tiny tick upward of global temperature is going to have a negative effect on food production. It's going to have um, a negative effect on the health of people living in the tropics and around the equator. And that's just another argument for taking action sooner rather than later. You know, a lot of times um, climate writers, climate scientists talk about tipping points, but I actually think that um, in most cases, the effects sort of unfold in much more um, slow burn ways. And it's not as though there's a moment in which things get dramatically worse. It'll just, things will just get gradually worse over time. Um, and I think, you know, I think most most informed, intelligent, um, you know, reasonable climate scientists would like us to um, adopt a plan by which we do something like have our emissions from industry and energy every decade. Like I said before, the, those emissions are increasing at the moment, so having them every decade will be a big feat. Um, totally zero out our emissions from land use, which has to do with agriculture and how much forest we're cutting back. Um, and then on top of that, there was a new paper in Science just a few weeks ago, I believe, um, maybe a few months ago, that said that on top of that, we'd need to invent a technology that would extract twice as much carbon from the atmosphere as the planet's entire system of plant life does today. And while there's some people working on that technology, it's very early and we're quite far from deploying it at anything like that kind of a scale. So we have a long way to go and really um, we should be acting much more urgently than we than we are. Wow. Um, I have one more question for you really quick, but it, I mean, in the opening paragraph, you say something that really struck me, you know, I read through the whole thing, but this one, you know, I kind of went back to this. You said, if your anxiety about global warming is dominated by fears of sea level rise, you are barely scratching the surface of what terrors are possible, even within the lifetime of a teenager today. So my question is, I'm 32. I have no kids yet. So I want to go even a step beyond a teenager today. My kids, what are the kind of terrors that my kids could see? Well, a lot of it depends on what you and I do. I'm about your age. I'm 35. Um, it, it's it's interesting, you know, later in the piece, I talk about um, how much more rapidly climate change is happening over the last couple of decades than it was in the centuries before. We often think about this as being a product of in the Industrial Revolution, which started in the 18th century. But more than half of all of the carbon emissions that we've exhaled in the, into the atmosphere in humanity's entire history have been produced in the last three decades, so in your lifetime and my lifetime. And 85% of them have been produced since World War II. So, you know, my father was born in 1938. I mentioned this in the article. He died last year. Over the course of his lifetime, we went from a completely stable climate system 
to one in which we're on the brink of catastrophe. That's just one generation. But there's also a second generation, which is yours and mine, and opens up over the next few decades. And as much damage as was done by my father's generation, that's as much as we can do to stop the problem. Um, so I think there really is an enormous amount of, as I said, urgency in, 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 in doing that and taking that action now. Um, if we don't, I mean, if we really take no action on, on carbon emissions, which I think is quite unlikely, but if we don't, then by the end of the century, which is you know probably the end of the life of um, your children, my children, um, the planet will be likely between four and five degrees Celsius warmer. Um, it could be somewhat worse than that. It could be probably as, as high as eight or nine degrees Celsius warmer. But even just taking the sort of median projection, um, that means that we'll have less than half as much food being produced today to feed a, popula a global population that's twice as big. It'll mean that whole parts of um, the equator, while they won't be technically unlivable, um, you won't be able to work outside around the equator in the tropics. Um, no outdoor labor of any kind would be possible because the human body just can't deal with that. Um, it would mean massive natural disasters, tor tornadoes, hurricanes. Um, and of course, you know, as I say at the top of the article, you know, the sea level rise, or, sea level rise is sort of um, the tip of the iceberg. The truth is that sea level rise is going to be <laughs> really bad as well. Um, uh, uh, Warming of four or five degrees Celsius will mean dozens, if not hundreds of major cities around the world completely drowned, many more of them regularly flooding in ways that interfere with urban life. And the result of that is probably hundreds of millions of climate refugees. And if you think about the two and a half million climate refugees that were produced um, by the Syrian civil war and how completely unprepared we were to deal with that, that refugee crisis completely scrambled our geopolitics. Think about a refugee crisis that could be as much as a hundred times worse than that. Um, those are the kinds of things that, um, you know, God help us, our our children won't be facing, but um, are conceivable, and which the science suggests um, will happen if we don't take action.